is it possible to have, in a sense, a sacred experience as you're using an app? It's one of the first apps that I've ever used that told me, slow down. People don't learn to play the piano by watching a one-hour YouTube clip every Sunday. Like that doesn't work. You actually got to practice and learn the scales. Practice easy songs, medium songs, harder songs, and then you get good at playing the piano. That same thing applies to the Bible as well. Like you got to learn the skills of reading the Bible, learn it at easy passages, and work your way up. And so that's kind of where we took this idea of our next product that we've been working on the last two years, which is called Bible Dojo. Hello and welcome to What Would Jesus Tech? My name is Andrew Noble. I am joined today not only by Joel Jacob, my co-host, but Matthew Chan, and he is the co-founder of Basil Tech. And I'm excited to get into not only the product that they are soon to launch that we were given some beta access to, and it's pretty cool. We'll get to that later, but also just a little bit about his story of getting into this tech world as a Christian and navigating it as a software developer, working his way through different companies. He's worked at like Crazy Love Ministries with Francis Chan and done some cool things. This is this is going to be an exciting conversation. Joel, you met with him in person. Is How was that conversation back in May with him? Yeah, really good. I mean, I think one of the unique things to being part of this Christian community is I was actually introduced to Matthew from uh, a coworker or former coworker I used to work with. And he knew Matthew, I think, through uh, the Bay Area, like tech ministry community. And Matthew was just so welcoming to me, um, you know, and he fit me in to schedule. I was there for a week for for work. And in the evening, he was able to fit me in. And I think, yeah, it was just like, that's something that we have a community in uh, that will open, you know, with open arms, allow people to collaborate and work together. And, and we need to tap into that. So thank you, Matthew, for joining WWJT. Thank you for inviting me. It's a joy to be here. <laughs> so why don't we start a little bit? Um, you know, we were talking a bit before the podcast and learning about you. Um, tell me how you became a software developer, like like just getting into that, because I think that's even a step for some people, but then becoming a software developer who builds Christian things. Mm. How, how is that step as well? Maybe like start with where I was born, maybe. They had some influence on it because I was born here in San Francisco, basically. And uh, growing up, uh, my dad was into technology as well. So from a young age, I got to try out like different tech things, like like early early stage modems and like computers. I was on like Artin and all these kind of like news groups and stuff and BBSs. And um, one of my first experiences, I think, uh, with programming was uh, me and my brother had just uh, gotten a pirated version of Civilization and the game, and we really wanted more money in the game, so we we learned how to use a hex editor to modify the save file so we could get more money, basically. Um, yeah, that, I'm not telling people to do this, but that was definitely where we started, and from there, just this is a realization that, wow, like we can actually, like, make the computer do things. Uh, we can change things. And that was really exciting and interesting. And from there, just uh, uh, ended up going to college here in Bay Area. So I worked in software engineer uh, at small startup companies, big enterprise companies. And it's actually kind of weird. Like even in the midst of that, I was a Christian for all that time. And you read about a Bible where God kind of tells us to give him our first fruits, right? And in the Old Testament, you kind of see people giving God their first fruits like, the best vegetable or the best sheep or whatever, right? And I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm a software engineer. Like, what's my best fruit, right? Like, what's my first fruit, right? And I couldn't quite figure that out. It wasn't clear. The pastor might say, like, oh, give your time, give your money, give your energy, whatever it is, right? And never really satisfied me. Um, and kind of in the midst of that, uh, one fun thing. So, uh, Joel, you mentioned a friend that introduced you to me. Um, I think it was uh, Chris Chan probably introduced yeah. us. Yeah. Uh, Chris was part of the early crew. Like him, me, and a few other friends, we were kind of just like, what if we could brainstorm some ideas of like how do people, how do technologists 
give the first fruit to God, right? And so we actually spent a number of t- times going down to his offices, Yahoo, and we're in a, uh, whiteboarding things and trying to figure out like different ideas of what we could do. And um, out of that, like some stuff came out, like we tried doing some Christian hackathons. There's a code for the kingdom hackathon that was organized back then. It was really great. We did all these projects and stuff. Um, but one thing we realized very quickly, which was that uh, hackathons are fun, but it's really hard to make real product from a hackathon. Um, usually a week or two after the hackathon, like the teams kind of fall apart or yeah. it doesn't really get to market or even does get to market, doesn't really continue much longer because it's a team of like random people that came together to work on stuff, right? So we're like, hmm, like we would love to kind of um, go more in depth into how do you actually do something that actually impacts the world? I think that's a, maybe a little bit of a Silicon Valley dream kind of thing. Like we don't want to just work. We want to work for something that's going to change the world, right? Like that's something worth waking up for, right? That's something that's worth like putting time and energy into. And so does that even apply to um, the Christian space, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's kind of a little bit of how we started. You and your friends, you're like, okay, let's start a company that's going to help other companies. Was that the idea? Mm. Yeah, well, we, we did get to there. So what happened was that as we started kind of trying out different things like the hackathons and whatnot, um, we had these, got open these doors for us to um, start serving different ministries and nonprofits or technology. Because we actually saw there's an issue with um, nonprofits and ministries. They, regarding technology, either they don't use technology because they're like afraid of it because it's, it's scary, or they use technology poorly. They try to cram a square peg in a round hole or they pay a lot for technology that shouldn't really cost that much, right? And so those things like really hurt us as technologists. We're like, oh, this hurts. Like, what can we do to help them with these pain points, right? And that's kind of where we start doing this thing called Basel, right? Where it's a group of technologists, volunteers in the Bay Area that want to use our gifts for the kingdom, basically. Want to give our first fruits to God, right? Want to see... um, how we could help be part of the kingdom impact that's going on around the world. And so we serve with different ministries through that, like with um, IMB, one of the biggest mission organizations out there, um, IJM, doing anti-sex trafficking stuff with um, different kind of like mission organizations and nonprofits as well. And out of that, we start seeing that there is a huge need out there uh, for us to step into it. Um, and it was, it was actually really educational, I think, like stepping into those areas and like, learning from them, uh, seeing how we could serve. Um, but I think most of all, it, it kind of started, um, I think, putting something on our heart, which is like, like there, there is something more to all this than we think. I think there's this, there's this quote that like, there's not a single inch of all creation that doesn't belong to Christ. Right? Something like that. I'm probably totally misquoting it, but it's kind of like, everything belongs to Christ, right? Like technology belongs to Christ. Like apps belong to Christ. Like like how do we, like as his followers, as ambassadors, how do we step into those places and and build and redeem and bring his salt and light into those areas, right? And so Bale started kind of diving into that more um, as we start growing the team and trying out different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really. Yeah. Cool. yeah, I know something that is a, a sad thing is that in Silicon Valley, it's one of the lowest percentages of Christians in all of the United States. So it's really what some people would say an unfriendly environment towards Christians. I know even Christians here in Canada, they're sick of some of the ideology in Canada. And so they're moving to places like Texas and Florida, Mm. where it's it's a safer place for them to be Christians, easier for them to be Christians. Um, but you don't have that approach. What motivates you to be in Silicon Valley, but not of Silicon Valley? Yeah, that that's a that's a big point. And definitely, as we've talked to different ministries and nonprofits, they often ask, oh, you're from San Francisco. Isn't that kind of scary? Like, isn't kind of hard over there? Like, aren't there not many Christians over there? And I just want to reassure your listeners who probably know already, but like, there are so many Christians here. Like, there's so many churches here. There's so many Christians that are working in these tech companies that they hear about that are being salt and light there. There mm-hmm. are literally groups of Christians in these tech companies that are fervently praying for the kingdom to influence their companies, to praying for the leaders to lead well and make good decisions, praying for their coworkers to learn about Christ and to have their lives transformed. So 
from from my perspective, I'm like, it's not that scary. It's actually this amazing mission field that we have over here in San Francisco Bay Area. That's the first part. Like, there's so many Christians here, and they're they're bringing the kingdom here. That's I think so second, good. That's so good to break that yeah uh, down. And yeah. I think the second part. Okay, yeah, it's hard, um, but I'm like, guys, like we're Christians. <laughs> we have the Holy Spirit in us. We have like the ultimate creator of the universe backing us up. Like, why, why, why be afraid? Like, let's go in boldness and encourage into these areas that are dark, but let's be the light in those areas. Because I'm like, if we retreat from that, if we retreat from these places that are influencing the world, who, who do you think will influence the world then, right? What do you think the decisions are going to be, right? If we're not actually there being salt and light. So I just want to encourage my brothers and sisters in Christ, like if there's opportunities to work at these companies, like don't be afraid, like prayerfully ask the Lord if he wants you there to minister, to be his ambassador and influence that company. And I I think God can do that. And he has done that. And um, I've seen examples of that, like where we hear these amazing testimonies where um, some high level C-suite people go like, hey, I, I know you're a Christian. Can you actually pray for me as I'm making these decisions for the company right now? That happens. And I would love to have more Christians here in Silicon Valley being that salt and light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that's so good. So helpful. And I think it's an encouragement too to like those those people. There's there's gonna be a rhetoric of you know Silicon Valley verse or whatever when it's or even tech versus Christians, or there's a lot of like technology isn't neutral, technology is dangerous, it's an ideological like echo chamber that's gonna deform you, it's gonna change you. And and there's good in that. And we need to talk about the negativity that's part of social media and that tech changes you but we can't talk about technology without talking about technologists mm. and those technologists include people like you who are trying to serve serve god so so yeah thank you for correcting the narrative on what silicon valley is like yeah no i think it's really good and i want to actually kind of draw the the tangible outcome of what people like Matthew have done. So I think, you know, these days using the Bible app is pretty common. I think it's almost like the, the, um, uh, Gutenberg press where it's like the most popular app because it's like, everyone just is going to need their Bible app. Um, and in the early days I was like, Oh, this is like, all right. And it like got better, but Mm -hmm. I did find out about another app at that time called read scripture um which i was like blown away i'm like oh my gosh this is actually so much it like felt like native there was some attention to detail from how it was built and at that point at least i thought it was like from a technology point of view much much better and it just so happens that i think matthew you're involved in that project yeah right you want to explain a little bit more about what happened with read scripture yeah i can share a little bit about that um that you started out was so much collaboration and so much God opening doors, but what's happening was that, so Francis Chan was uh, planting a house church movement here in San Francisco Bay Area, and he was going to like have these lay people pastor and lead these different house churches. So he was like, how do I make sure that these lay pastors are able to lead and walk uh, these small groups of people through the Bible? He wanted to make sure they're well versed in Bibles. Is it? Well, I mean, the obvious first step is to have them read through the whole Bible. Okay, so let's do a Bible reading plan. Let's read through the whole Bible in one year, right? So they're kind of planning that out. In the midst of that, they came across this amazing video uh, done by John and Tim. Um, this is before Bible Project. Um, they were just friends up in Portland working on these videos artisanally. And Francis was like, oh my goodness, I love these videos. Let's go up and visit them. So they went up and visited Tim and John and were like, hey, can you guys do one of these explainer videos for every single book of the Bible? And uh, Tim and John were like, yeah, we would love to do this. Um, and then Francis was like, hey, can you actually get done like before the start of next year? Because like we're going to start a Bible reading plan, right? Then. And Tim and John were like, well, it's going to take much longer than a year to get to that point. So we don't know if we can do it. And Francis was like, hey, what if I can help raise the money to get you guys to do this full time? Will you guys do it? And they're like, yeah, we'll do it. So Francis went out and raised some money. Bible Project Studio spun up. Tim and John quit their jobs and start doing full-time Bible Project and start churning out these videos. And 
started doing the videos. And for us, uh, Basil down here in Bay Area, we started working on an app. And we had like so many people chip in on the app. It was amazing. We had all these people volunteering, designers, developers. Um, and our goal was we weren't trying to build like like the next big Bible app. We're not trying to compete with you version or anything like that. We were just like, hey, we just want to do a, a very clean, very focused uh, daily Bible reading experience, right? And we want to have this opportunity for people to like watch these amazing videos from Tim and John about project and to read through the Bible and to pray through the Psalms each day, right? And our hope was that people would build this Bible reading habit, that that would start transforming them and their their minds and their hearts would be shaped by scripture. Um, and that's kind of how we kind of started doing that project. And since then, it's been downloaded, I think, over 1.5 million times around the world. And it's been amazing seeing the impact of that app. Um, and it was it's really fun. And uh, we we actually have a lot of learnings from that, which we can cover in a little bit for the next part of the story. But um, there's some cool things that flowed out of that. Yeah. yeah. One observation I just want to make, and we we could go down a whole tangent here, but we'll I'll try not to. I just I just appreciate, and even talking to you before we hit record, on you're very involved in your local church. You you care about the local church. You're not just I'm the guy who's doing technology, and I want to use my gifts, so therefore I'm going to care about all technology stuff and not the physical people that you meet with in a house church. You were talking yeah. about that, and so it's. I think it's helpful to consider these things together, to do Bible reading well, to do church life well and discipling one another and being together in person and to do technology well. And that is a lot sometimes and it can be overwhelming and different people have different capacities. And so you always want to be careful about that. But I I think it's helpful to like, for you to kind of model something that hopefully other people can can try to live out too. It's like, oh, why don't I spend time here and there working on this app, working on that? Um, how do you balance everything with all that going on? Like, how do you stay grounded and not, you know, burn out? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think that the term that comes to mind, like for me, is like trying to be more well-rounded, right? Um, I don't think I'm very well-rounded, but I feel like that's like a desire of mine, right? I'm constantly trying, okay, how can I be more well-rounded? Like, what are areas where I feel kind of unbalanced, right? Like, you know, like technology, right? Like, when when I start feeling, oh, man, like, I've actually been too much into tech, and I, I find myself kind of slipping into just about tech, just only, like, every every solution, every problem needs a tech solution, right? When, when I find myself <laughs> slipping into that, I'm like, I got to bounce it back out. Otherwise, I'm kind of missing it. And mm-hmm. so one kind of benefit I have as being part of very diverse church body is even even my mentor. My mentor is this awesome guy called Rob. Um, he's like a Hispanic ex-gangster from the LA area. And our lives could not be more different. Like he has tattoos everywhere. He had like a rough life growing up and like in and out of prison. And now he's my mentor. He's discipling me. And he early days, he was always like challenging Matt, like stop reading the Bible on your phone. Like, get get a physical Bible, Matt. And I'm like, no, like, digital Bible is more convenient. It's easier to search for stuff. He's like, no, Matt, like, get a physical Bible. And I didn't want to, but as I, I did it out of, like, um, obedience and learning, I did find that was super helpful, like, to actually have a physical Bible um, and to flip through it and to read through it and mark it up and, and a tangibly, like, push back against my flesh basically right like what i would prefer to um and so some of those things were um i'll tell you one more point about rob before i jump off that is that um what i love about rob is that i would never be friends with him in this world i would never be friends with him and the only reason i'm connected to him is through christ right Mm -hmm. the only reason he's mentoring me and loving me and i'm loving him is because of jesus and i'm like for me, that's like an image of what I want to see the church like, right? I want to see a church that we're not getting together to socialize. We're not getting together because we're the same social group or same demographic. I want us to get together because we love Christ and we are brothers and sisters in Christ. And that supernaturally unites us, right? And so when a part of bias different me challenges me in something or encourages me something, I want to actually learn from them. I want to become more well-rounded as a kind of receive from them, right? And I feel like that then lets a body kind of show this is something supernatural 
extraordinary that's happening here that we would not naturally do, or I would not naturally go and read a physical Bible if my brother didn't encourage me to do so. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're you're setting up my questions about physical versus digital. Um, you know, I, I said to you before we recorded, it's like, well, what do you think about what John Dyer has looked into? Um, and yeah, because he he has noticed that there are benefits and trade-offs to physical mm. Bibles. There's benefits and trade-offs to digital Bibles. Um, I was actually reading a book by Larry Hurtado that talks about how the early Christians, they very quickly went away from the scroll and went towards the codex. And they even did this with the Old Testament. It was wild to read this because it was like, wait, wait a second. Like it wasn't just the New Testament letters that they put together into a book, but the early Christians, they almost to differentiate themselves or whatever the reason was from the Jewish people, they started to use a different format for mm. reading the scriptures rather than the scroll, which you got to open up the whole thing. They they had it in flippable parchments attached, you know, all together into what we know today as a book. That's why Christians were called people of the book. So now John Dyer, he wrote the book called People of the Screen. Matthew, maybe you're going to write a book a few years from now called People of the App. Because oh. you're trying to get Christians into using an app in order to use the Bible, this the Read Scripture app, you know, and plus you're you're even launching another app in order to help Christians read the Bible. So so people of the app, that's the that's the book that you're going to write in a few years, maybe maybe not. I'm curious what you think about you know different mediums for reading Scripture and the trade offs that are inherent in this. Clearly, you you value the physical Bible because of your mentor, but what do you think of the different pros and cons? Yeah, I I think this is this is interesting thing that um, happens in Christianity, where we might think that the way we've done it is the way they've always done it, right? So, a typical Christian in America now might think Christians forever, followers of God forever have been reading this Bible thing, right? And that's how they interact with God, right? But like, even as you mentioned, they used to do scrolls. And I would even argue even prior to the scrolls or adjacent to the scrolls, there's a lot of oral tradition as well. Yes, yes. And in a way, we've kind of lost some of those traditions and those mediums um, as we kind of advance. And I'm much kind of excited at how, in some ways, we're actually reapproaching that, right? There's like public reading of scripture, or one of my favorite audio Bibles, if you haven't checked it out yet, it's this uh, great audio Bible called Streetlights Bible. Um, it's basically like uh, a, a, a hip hop track in the background, and then like they're reading the Bible on top of that. It's super awesome to check it out. But I'm, I'm like, actually definitely checking that out. That sounds okay. completely up my alley. I think yeah. audio Bibles are neglected. This is a right. huge opportunity for Christians. Yes. I love just going, like, wherever I'm doing, folding laundry, going on a drive, going for a walk, and just mm. hearing God's word. Mm. It's a lot of work to read, guys. Like, I'm not I'm not that smart. Let someone read to you. Mm. Save your energy and just, yeah. just receive scripture mm. rather than you being the the one who determines the speed and all that. Anyways, keep going, Matthew. Yeah. So I love that there's these different media that we're re-exploring them and we're actually adjusting them kind of to fit our context kind of, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And so one other thing is like, even I think there's mention of like uh, the codex thing, right? Like the Bible with like the verses and the chapter numbers, it became, and footnotes, it became a studying tool, right? Which is not a bad thing. I think we should study the Bible, but what about experiencing the Bible, right? What about hearing and meditating on the Bible, right? Did that become a lesser thing because we don't interact the Bible that way, right? And so um, I think there's advantages where we can go, go back and learn from how they used to interact with scriptures and hearing it. I think there's also opportunities to explore um, new ways of interacting with the Bible, right? Um, one of my favorite examples is like when you read like the, the um, genealogies, for example, right? No one actually reads those. They just skip over it. He's like, oh, first name, uh, 20 other names. Okay, last name, right? Um, and like that's in as a technologist, my viewpoint is that that's that's like a family tree over there. That's like a, a 
I can just imagine kind of like laying a family tree, the, the this is the father of that. Like so, and if I were to see it that way, that would help me understand it better than just reading names one after another, kind of right. I want to see the connection, I want to see a network, I want to see the overarching story that God's writing through the Bible. So uh like one of the things that at Basel, like we like to kind of brainstorm and explore, like what are different ways of kind of like looking at Bible. Even rescripture was kind of a way of like, hey, we have the Bible, uh, let's Let's watch a video about it. Let's read it. And let's do this. Pray through it, right? That's a different way than just typical, let's study the Bible together. And kind of following on from that for question is like when we did Rescripture uh, as an app, we actually see the analytics for it as well, uh, which is a, a new thing. Pastors throughout history and spiritual leaders, they've never known how people read the Bible. They tell people, hey, everyone go back home and read the book of Matthew or go back home and read um, Deuteronomy. They don't know people read it or not, right? They can quiz them or not, but they don't know, right? But with apps and analytics, we can actually see exactly when they started reading it, where they fell off, what they struggled with, that that's all just data for us. And we can see, and it, there's some danger there, but there's also, I think, some insights that we can draw from that. And we start realizing that people were really struggling to read through the Old Testament. That's, that's what they start reading, right? Genesis, mm-hmm. um, Exodus. And we're like, start, we start doing some user interviews, typical Silicon Valley style. Let's do some user interviews. Let's ask some questions, let's survey people, find out what their, their uh, sticking points are. And we found people would tell us that they're trying, they want to read it, but they don't understand how. They're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm so confusing. I don't get the context. Like, And we're like, hmm. Okay, so that's a problem. People aren't equipped to read the Bible. We assume that you give a Bible, Bible they can suddenly you start to read it. That's not true. Um, the Bible is like so advanced in some way. I, I think there's a plain reading of it that everyone gets to, but there are things that are difficult that we don't train our people well in. And there's actually things that people teach right called Bible hermeneutics that help people <laughs> unpack, understand it. But usually that's kind of locked up in seminary. Seminary people learn it. A regular Christian is never going to learn it, except maybe a pastor might teach a little bit every Sunday, right? So we're like, that's kind of weird because if you look at um, learning, people don't learn to play the piano by watching a one-hour YouTube clip every Sunday. Like that doesn't work. You actually got to practice and learn the scales, practice easy songs, medium songs, harder songs, and then you get good at playing the piano. That same thing applies to the Bible as well. Like you got to learn the skills of reading the Bible, learn mm-hmm. it at easy passages and work your way up. And so that's kind of where we came to this idea of our next product that we've been working on the last two years, which is called Bible Dojo. Um, instead of just telling you this is what the Bible says, we're teach you Bible skills, Bible hermeneutics, to unpack the 10 different genres of the Bible, poetry, narrative, law, um, all these kind of things that are different in the Bible, but we can't read the same way. And you got to learn the right skills to unpack them and understand them. And so that's kind of something fun that we've been uh, working on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, th- I mean, I'd love to hear more about how Bible Dojo has has come since I did a user interview, I think back in May, and it was yeah. like a example of the law, reading the law. And it was tough. I was like, oh, I don't know if I can actually interpret this the right way. And like, maybe, you know, maybe is uh, some paranoia of or or like worry that I'd be like judged in like Mm. my responses. But overall, I realized after I think it was like only 15 minutes that like, this takes energy, this is tough. And yeah. if I don't flex this muscle, if I don't work on this, then I won't actually get better at being able to read the Bible. So I think it's it's definitely valuable. And I would just want to say one more thing about how without people leaning in to build these apps and products, I don't think technology kind of evolves on its own. And I think, Andrew, sure. you might know there's like a term for that where it's like the belief that technology will just continue by itself but we've seen a lot of technology technologies where it's like without people leaning in it kind of just like stalls or like Mm. even regresses right Mm. so i think in the space of specifically like christian technology where it's maybe a little bit harder to build like a business case or it's a little bit like of a different model it is hard to push the envelope of applying technology unless you have people with uh, missions uh, behind them to push them to do that. So, 
Yeah. Yeah. I'll jump in. Like there's a naive approach to technology, tech determinism or whatever you want to call it, where the future is just determined. And it's kind of like, well, people will just build what the market wants. The market's going to dictate it. And therefore the future of technology, whatever is going to happen is going to happen. But if you look at something like extraterrestrial space travel, go back 75 years, people are like, oh, this is going to happen. We land a man on the moon. And then we have not developed technologically beyond 50 years ago. Like we just haven't. And like, yeah, Musk is pushing in that direction, but it really does take, like Musk is a good example. He has a clear mission. We're going to live on Mars. And then he works backwards from his his ambitions using his first principles and then applies it. So similarly with Christians, we need to choose what tech we're going to build. We need to be thoughtful about it and have a mission. And yeah, what you're doing with this Bible dojo is like, instead of it being all up to pastors. Cause what you're describing and I've experienced the product too, since you gave me that beta testing link, I'm like, Oh good. You're teaching people different genres of the Bible. You're teaching people like it's, it's one of the first apps that I've ever used that told me slow down. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, like every app it's like, click, click next, next. And then all of a sudden there's like a prompt, like there is, it is quick, quick. It is next, next. There's a lot of high touch. There's a lot of like, it feels almost like a video game. You're like, Oh, hit the next thing. You feel a sense of accomplishment. Ooh, I got that point. Ooh, I got that point. Oh, it's telling me to slow down. Oh, it's telling me to slow down. Oh, I need to slow down. I need to reread this text. I need to make sure I'm understanding it before I answer these questions. And so, yeah, it's, it's like, can we use technology to help people slow down and read scripture? Yeah. Joel pushed back on me with this a few weeks ago when he was like, dude, can technology help you study the Bible? Absolutely. Yes. That's literally what the Bible is to us today yeah. is a technological tool, the printing press anyways. So, yeah. So I think yeah. there's a lot of value in what you're building. Tell us more about the goal behind it and how you hope people to use it. Yeah. Just a quick thing about the the slowing down thing. Um, yeah. That's something that we've been exploring for a while. Uh, one of the uh, first apps that, or Christian apps that I worked on prior to research, I worked on the Abide Prayer app as well. Um, and as part of that team, we're thinking through, is it possible to have, in a sense, a sacred experience as we're using an app, right? Because that seems so non-sacred, so like technological and mundane kind of almost, right? And so we're exploring kind of, can you kind of help people like slow down and meditate and hear from the Lord and pray. Um, so that's kind of one, one of the things we first start. And then later on, read scripture as we're doing the, the prayer part of praying through the Psalms. We actually add this little pulsing animated GIF right before you read the Psalms, like, hey, take some time, slow down, breathe, like take some time and then and then and then go into praying the Psalms, right? Slow down because we recognize everyone's speeding through, right? And then even now with Baba Dojo, we're like, People are so used to skimming. People constantly skim the Bible and we skip over important things. We ignore important things. And I'm like, that that's I don't think that's the way God intended for us to read the Bible. Like every word there is important. Everything that's kind of been passed down for to us through centuries is important. And so how do we help teach and train and access that muscle people to slow down and actually like listen and then process and actually then apply, right? Um one of the things actually through Bible Dojo, what we're trying to do is we're trying to bring people from biblical illiteracy, where they're illiterate, they don't they don't read it, they don't understand it, to biblical literacy, where they can actually read it and understand it. Past biblical literacy, we're bringing them to biblical fluency, where it's not just like head knowledge, but it's in our heart, not just heart, but apply it in their lives, right? Because there's no point just gaining more Bible knowledge, like be the best scholar in the world and not really living it out, then why, right? Like, it's a waste of time, right? So we really want to activate people in like, what does the Bible say? How is it applied to you? And how are you going to live it out, right? Um, and so that's that's just nut that we're trying to crack with Bible Dojo right now. We're not just trying to how to read the genres, but we're trying to go like, hey, the Bible is this living word. It's like this wellspring of life. And that life needs to go through you and in you and and into this world that we're in, right? Um and one fun thing is that, like, it would be success for us if people use Bible Dojo, learned it, and then no longer had to use Bible Dojo anymore. 
because now the skills in them, they don't need mm-hmm. our app to do the skills. They can now go uh, to a desert somewhere and teach those same skills person to person to someone else because it's not, they have to flip open a book, go, here's how to do they, they, it's, it's in them, it's part of who they are. And so that's our goal. We want to train up people who can then train up other people in how to have the word applied to their lives. Yeah. You're like you're like the dating app, except for Bible reading. Yeah, because <laughs> the except, dating apps always say like we're the app that was made to be deleted. You know. Yeah, but you, dating apps, I'm like, I'm like dating apps have that that weird incentive structure. They really don't want people to quit their app because that's how they get the money, right? So, yes. um But yeah, for us, I'm like, actually a year ago we did a dating app pod and it was good. And but part of me is like, I think we were too positive. I'm worried about people <laughs> who use this every day. Um, <laughs> But anyways, I actually um, listened to that episode, actually. Um, oh, really? One side note to that is that uh, I think they def- dating apps are effective. But I do think there's a part where, like for me, when I tried using it, it it hurt my soul mm-hmm. like to use it. There's a part where I'm like, I don't feel like this is actually good for me and how I see people and how I build a relationship. It could be a way. It was hard. So anyway, that's a tangent. Yeah, no, no, that reflection. Okay, to to bring us back on track, um, many people have heard the Ten Commandments, the Ten mm. Commands that God gave, but I don't think a lot of people have heard of the Ten Ways to read the Ten Commandments, which is in Deuteronomy 6. So I'll read this, the Ten Ways of, of knowing, the Ten Ways of learning the Ten Commandments. These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. So that's the first of the Ten Ways. The second, impress them on your children. And I'll just keep Mm. reading here. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk Mm. along the road, when Mm. you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands. And like, we're like, oh, the the cell phone is pretty much in our hands. Some of us have something strapped around our wrist and we don't have the Bible on it. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So if you mm. count up from Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9, there's there's 10 different ways that the people of that time using the technology of their day, doorknobs, bindings, and the very first one, it like these commands need to be on your hearts. Mm. So it's, I think what, what Moses wanted the people to do and God through Moses wanted the people to do is like, you need to saturate, saturate yourself in scripture in different ways. Mm for the sake, internalizing it by talking about it, by teaching your children. Everybody was told to do this. This was not just the Levites. Everybody is supposed to, this is right after the Shema. Um, So yeah, I see in our modern day, we have digital doorposts, digital methods for, you know, intaking scripture and helping Mm -hmm. it. And so what you're doing is you're adding gamification this sense of going through an experience where you level up in your Bible knowledge. And here I am, a seminary grad going through being like, oh, I got one wrong. And it's very kind when you're going through. And there is a little bit of that intimidation factor, mm. but that's that's just like a real video game where you're, or in real life, when you're talking with an atheist and they bring up something from the Old Testament, you go, wait, life is intimidating. Video games mm. are intimidating. Yeah. The challenges are have that intimidation factor, and it's like, can I beat it? Can I get by mm. it? Yeah. And it and it, I get the sense that that's what your app is trying to do. Is that a yeah. good good summary? Yeah, uh, it might help to explain where we kind of first started with the app when we did the first prototype for it. We called Scripture Labs because we wanted to have people dig into the word, like kind of crack around with it, like adjust it and understand it. Um, but as we tested it out, we're like. That's not quite what we're trying to do. We're not trying to have people experiment with the Bible. We're trying to have people like level up in the Bible, right? Like increase their skills, kind of wax on, wax off, right? Um, and we understand that that's intimidating and difficult. And we've heard from so many people like how like scary the Bible is actually when they read it, right? And so we want to kind of like help break down some of those walls. So one of the first things we did as we kind of pivoted from sort of lab to Bible Dojo was how can we make this like, fun and approachable, right? And a lot of the Basel tech team, like we're like product people from different uh, tech companies in the Bay Area. And we love kind of making easy to use, accessible products that people can like love and find the light in and uh, gamification, like they want to build habits in there and like get better. Um, and so we 
this idea of like, well, Bible talks about how we're sheep, basically. We have a good shepherd. So what if we had like these cartoon sheep and we are a cartoon sheep as well in this kind of cartoon sheep classroom or this dojo and we're learning from our our uh, teacher who's called Shifu. He's kind of like the, the dojo master, right? And like, would that kind of make a fun experience? Can we actually have like these kind of uh, elements that we've like, seen in games, like kind of uh, earning awards and, and getting points and like leveling up skills and like having your little character avatar get like some new bonus features or whatever, right? How would that kind of help someone uh, enjoy the experience of digging into these hard passages and being motivated to keep pushing, keep trying? But also another side thing is that because this platform is a online platform where we have these simulated sheep classmates, can it be less intimidating than in the real world where someone might go like, oh, you said something stupid about the Bible. I don't want to hear you anymore. We're like, no, no, no. Like this is a welcoming sheep classroom. Like people are going to be nice to each other here because we're cartoon sheep. Um, and can that help people kind of explore the Bible um, without feeling like really threatened, like what they get the wrong answer or whatever, right? So um, mm-hmm. that's kind of our hope and our our joy in building this out. Yeah, so what? I've been ahead, waiting Joel. for it. When... When is it coming out? You know, I've been like telling yes. people about a year. I'm like ready to be like, okay, let's let's crash the site because everyone's gonna sign up on the same day. <laughs> oh man, yeah, we are we are fi- ironing out some of the final bugs right now, and our hope is this coming month, which is November, that we're gonna be launching out the um, training for biblical law. Um, so these twelve trainings, white belt to blue belt, and then we'll continue to work on the blue belt to black belt part uh, right after that. So uh, hopefully in November, you guys can try it out. It'll be at enterthebibledojo.com, and um, we're excited for people to try it and let us know what they think. Uh, this is definitely a, a first attempt at a product like this, so we're like, okay, we're going to need a lot of feedback because like nothing like this has been tried before, and we don't really know if it's going to hit the way that we want to hit. Uh, but we're excited to like get people's feedback and adjust it and learn from that and make it better. So yeah. Yeah, very cool. I think one of the big things that will need to happen for pastors to get on board is to have a trust in the theology Mm -hmm. that's that's there. So I can imagine some Presbyterians really wanting, no matter what, you better keep that infant baptism, anything Mm -hmm. that alludes to baptism or circumcision. You know, there needs to be a continuation between the old covenant and new covenant and be more Presbyterian, whereas the Baptists might really want that clear distinction. Oh, the the old covenant is different than the new covenant. They would put more emphasis on there being differences. We don't need to circumcise, like we don't need to baptize babies. We wait until belief first before baptism. As just an example of one of the differences between two Christian denominations. So what what theology is being pushed through the app? Yeah. So I'm going to put forward two points about that. First point is that like, we understand there's all denominations and different ways of that people have wrestled with the Bible, interpreted it. Uh, part of our goal, Baba Dojo is like, we're not trying to get into that, that war or that battle with them. We're just going, like, Hey, here's some tangible skills for unpacking the Bible. We're going to teach these two people and have them, learn how to unpack it well, right? Um, and so that's one where we're, we're not trying to put forth a particular viewpoint or particular interpretation. We're like, here's how to read poetry. Do you want to argue with me that that's not the right way of reading poetry? I, I That's a little bit, I'm not trying to interpret it a certain way. I'm just like, here's one way of unpacking it, right? And so hopefully that will help us sidestep some of those arguments, which I don't think are as fruitful for um, understanding and applying the Bible to our lives. And then the second thing is that when we first did our first picture labs, we just did the content in-house as technologists, as believers. We just kind of read some books and try to make our own content. We quickly found and got feedback that like, while our content was good, it was not great. And so since then, we've actually um, actively gone out there and, and uh, met with and recruited biblical scholars to help us make our content. So it's like informed by like studies and like the way it talks. So currently we have... Um, these two professors are helping us out. Uh, one guy's called Dr. Drew Johnson. Uh, he's a professor at King's College in New York, uh, Old Testament scholar, and also Dr. Dominic, who's a professor at Talbot Seminary. And they're both helping us like work on this content at a high level that we then uh, bring down to cartoon sheep level for us all to access. And so, um, so it's informed not just by random Christians, but by, by well-respected biblical scholars um, for the content. 
Very cool. Very cool. Yeah, no, what you're doing, like I have tried to do what you're describing and I've taught, you know, in pastoral ministry, you try to teach people how to learn the Bible. And so I've even like, I've taught this one process over and over. I call it sailing the seven seas and stepping across the ladder. It's like a a framework that I use seven seas because they all start with the letter C. There's seven of them. So we need to look at the content of scripture and slow down and look at like, what are the verbs? What are the, you know, the the subject of the sentence, the the object of the sentence, that's that's the C. And then another C is covenant. Another C is Christ. How does this point mm. to Christ? Go through these seven C's before you make any application of scripture to your life. So I think many pastors are trying to do this, but I what I find is helpful is when people in our congregations are learning on their own in different mm. ways. Like I will often recommend books to mm. people for the sake of their learning. And then they come into a class where we're studying the Bible together and they're starting to apply, hey, this looks like parallelism in the Psalms. The first verse is the exact same as the last verse. And I'm like, yes, you're understanding poetry. Hebrew poetry does that. That's beautiful. Or they're watching a Bible project video. Now, if someone only watched Bible project videos and never read the Bible, I'd be like, you're doing it wrong. But when we have these, again, Deuteronomy 6 has 10 different ways of processing scripture. Yeah, we should have more than one way. Bible yeah. project videos, Bible Dojo app coming out this November, download it, give them good user feedback, take the extra time to email in your feedback. Not just the 20-something-year-old, but my mom who who listens to this podcast, she would be great to use this app awesome. at her women's Bible study to go through this app together and then give you feedback. I think that would be awesome, right? Um, to to really give you some good user feedback and mm-hmm. and yeah, and give it give another way of processing scripture so that yeah, we can train our muscles to do this kind of stuff. Yeah. One uh, other thing. Oh, no, one other ahead. thing is that like we would love for so many different uh, people of different like life stages and experience to use it, like whether they're a teenager or like middle age or whatnot. Uh, but one of my my greater hopes for Baba Dojo, uh, which is what we're going to do right after this, like we're actually going to start working on translating it actually. So we want to actually translate it and have it uh, in Spanish and Chinese and other languages. So uh, like our brothers and sisters around the world can get access to like seminary level Baba Hermeneutics, but taught in an accessible and free way. This will be a free platform for training people. And so uh, our hope is that we can reach the world. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm really inspired kind of by by what you're doing. And I I keep thinking like, man, I, how do you how do you keep it going? Like, I think from what you've said with like, you know, Basil Tech is like a lot of people who are doing stuff I volunteer, maybe there's like a core group. How do you solve this, like, this business problem of like, funding the the effort like do you have like yeah. a patron right like how how do you think about that and even yeah. like going to the the next level like building a sequel where it's like the yeah. sheep are sailing the seven seas you know like, yeah yeah uh I, in some ways i'm like god provides like i've been doing basil like initially as a volunteer but then they're on full-time so doing volunteer for the last like eight, nine years now. And then only about the last two years kind of went full-time into it. And when I went full-time into it, I quit my tech job. And I was like, God, I we don't have a plan for how to finance this or like provide, but you're God, right? You're my father, right? And so I'll trust that you provide because this is what you want me to do. And he has provided over and over and over again. Like he provided a place for me to live, a place to work, uh, provided like resources and donations that we can then use to hire our seminary professors um, and our designers and so forth. And I think each of the way he's provided, uh, way we're looking about it, like moving forward, it's like, okay, God, like we're doing this project. We want to uh, do more trainings. Actually, we're working on uh, trainings and biblical rituals, which is going to be really awesome. And also biblical poetry, which is also going to be awesome. So there's like this chance where we're like getting ready to like build out and we're going to need to raise funding for that. So well. God, like if you want us to keep doing this, this is your will, like let, let the body contribute, right? We're going to like have a donation page and then um, we're not, because we don't want to charge for it. We want this to be freely accessible to every person out there, whether Christian or not Christian, we want it to reach people. And so Lord, like let's, let's keep this free. Let's have you provide 
And then let's let's keep going as far as he wants to go, right? And so we just gotta continue trusting him to provide for us. And that's that's the plan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a good plan. Trust God. And you know, hard, hard to say not to to go with that. Yeah. Yeah. We make our plans, but God determines our ways, right? So yeah. at the end of the day, yeah. he's provided for you up to this point. Keep it going yeah. and yeah. we'll see what happens with it. So yeah, no, Matthew, it was super cool to talk to you, learn about some of the stuff you're doing. Um, yeah, like, sure, if this is the absolute only way that people are accessing scripture is through this digital app, then I'd be like, oh, come on, buy a physical Bible already. Right. Or right. listen to the preached word and sit in a church where mm-hmm. they read scripture to you. Right. You know, like there's there's multiple ways that we should be. I didn't I'd encourage people to go back to to Deuteronomy 6, read the mm-hmm. first 10 verses and meditate on that. And then think about applying it to that day to today. And you you'd think of, huh, what are our digital doorposts? I think that's a that's kind of what you're trying to do. And I I hope it goes well and I look forward to linking to it when it launches. And uh yeah, we'll 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 link to Basil Tech in the show notes and Bible Dojo and uh and that that way people can stay up to date when it goes live. Well, you know, I feel like intro. Oh, yeah, no, it. thanks for having me. But I feel like we haven't done this in a while, or maybe I forgot. Um, we would end the show with would Jesus use Bible Dojo? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. Like, I feel like he's so well versed in the Bible, right? Like, he doesn't actually need to learn the skills. Like at whatever age, I don't know, is this young, young Jesus or, or older Jesus, right? Well, like, maybe more like would he would he tell his disciples to use it, but he will like he refer it. I would hope so. Like, like if there's a way that his disciples could learn uh, better bubble hermeneutic skills, like I'm sure, like they had whatever Jewish way they had for kind of unpacking the Bible, like they probably had their techniques and like just like the modern version of kind of discipling and teaching a disciple, hey, here's how I can read this poetry or this law and kind of help them learn to unpack it themselves. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. That question. It always gets a very unique perspective and uh, sometimes can break us out of our, our thinking. So I think it's it's very cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, cool. thank you, Matthew, for joining us. Um, just a pleasure to talk with you. Obviously, we could have talked about way more about this. We could have like really tried to grill you on, <laughs> wait a second, this is disembodying the Bible. You're taking it away from real community. But I, I think we all understand here that this is not the only method and mm-hmm. it can contribute to being part of a physical Bible study or church yeah. or whatever. So anyways, um, I'm, I'm even guarding myself. I'm like, oh, I think I should have criticized Mark. No, I'm, I'm happy. I think we should be enthusiastic about this. I think God can use this. And so thanks for joining us. Keep up the good work and uh, we'll stay in touch. Thanks, Andrew and Shaw. It's been fun chatting with you guys. And and thanks to our listeners. Uh, Appreciate you getting to the end of the episode. Uh, Of course, you can see everything we've talked about in the show notes. You can also support us on Patreon if you so desire. Um, And this has been What Would Jesus Tech, encouraging you to use tech, find rest, and glorify God. Take care, everybody. Bye. Yeah. All right, we're good. Cool.